everyone to The Enthusiast Life, brought to you by GamerGoo. My name is Mark Turcotte. I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, it is September 14th, Monday, the day after the NFL has finally kicked off. And I got to be honest, I spent a lot of the day in front of the TV watching my Carolina Panthers lose, which, hey, it was a good game at least. I'll take it for what it is. But for once... Things just felt kind of normal. Like it just felt like we were kind of back to just some sort of normal reality here uh, in this in the midst of this pandemic. It was kind of crazy and kind of surreal. Uh, but overall, I think it was a a good good day. And uh, yeah, just things felt normal again. Hopefully, you had a good weekend as well. I'm not sure if you're a sports fan, but if you are, hopefully, you enjoyed the sports this weekend. We are back to some normalcy, my friends. Well, speaking of normal, let's do a quick little housekeeping here. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Turk. That's M A R K T U R C. And of course, you can email me, theenthuselife at gmail.com. And. Uh, we will be recording our new Patreon episode this week. So you have pretty much today is the last day if you would like to become a Patreon for the podcast. You can find that link down in the show notes below. Get yourself exclusive access to our patron-only Discord as well as uh, the chance to be on that Patreon podcast and get early access to that. So if you're interested in that, you can find that link down in the show notes. Now, I spent a lot of the weekend, you know, I, we've obviously, I've been talking a lot about the Avengers. I've been playing the Avengers here pretty much every day uh, up until, you know, right now, and, and I'm going to definitely continue playing it. I, I'm at that point now where my Captain America, I think I'm a 124, so I'm kind of getting towards the cap. I've, I've seen out there, there are ways to rush leveling characters up and all those little loot grinds and all that, but I'm not pushing that. I'm just taking my time, kind of playing it just on a whim when I can, you know, I haven't really sat down and had a session really longer than probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours, I think I had one day. Um, and that's just because I'm just enjoying it. I'm just having fun. You know, it's not becoming like what a destiny was for me where I was spending hours and hours playing the game. And I'm okay with that because, I, you know, I think this is a game because it is so grind heavy. You definitely could have some burnout, I think, from it. So if you're someone playing the game and you're just playing it that way, I think you're getting much more enjoyment than just pushing towards the end because uh, you know I saw an article on um, I think it was Polygon that did this that how the end game is a lot of fun but what's it for right so like right now if you're racing to that end game what are you really chasing at that point then right you just kind of sped to the end so kind of interesting I think how that game is kind of panning out um, with a lot of folks and in, in, in playing that way is that you know I think you are definitely going to burn yourself out so if you've yet to pick up the game take your time take your time because I also picked up two games this weekend, I grabbed uh, Dragon Ball Z Fighters, got it for like $8.50, I think, on the PC. Uh, it was on sale uh, this weekend, and I actually rebought again uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot on PC as well. Humble Bundle had a great price on it, um, partly because I saw there's a whole mod scene for the game, so I wanted to kind of get in, and I never finished it when I originally started it, so I'm kind of restarting the game on PC as well. I just kind of got on this big like anime kick here again this this past week or so was realized I actually never finished the anime of Dragon Ball Super. I've kind of seen the end through the manga, uh, reading it that way, but I've never actually watched the anime, so I'm kind of getting up on that. I think I have like 20 some odd episodes left. And then I made the mistake of jumping back into some One Piece and watch a little bit of One Piece, which was a completely bad idea to do that because now since I'm going back and forth between Dragon Ball Super and One Piece, like all weekend, any free time that I get, I'm just watching another episode of both of these shows. And One Piece, by the way, is on Netflix. 
now. I think it goes up to like episode 140 or 150. It's all through the Alabasta arc on there. And even there, I had read a ton on the manga. So I'm going back to where I kind of left off in the anime. So a lot of what I'm seeing, I've seen before. Um, but, uh, you know, just want to see it in the anime, which is a question for those who read manga and watch anime. What do you do with things like that? Like, do you, do you, if you read the manga, do you go back and watch the anime just to see how it panned out or, or vice versa? Like if you've read the anime or watched the anime, do you go then and read the manga? Cause it's the same story, right? You're still getting it. I guess it's no different than watching a movie and reading a book, right? I mean, they both have different perspectives on those events. But, I mean, really, in, in the manga, a lot of times, or when it comes to manga, because a lot of times that comes out first, the show, and then it gets made into a anime, um, a lot of times they're pretty pretty close to the way those work, especially because both of them are coming out weekly. I mean, in Japan, anime episodes come out weekly, and they're literally production. It's almost like South Park, where they make those episodes in, like, six days. I mean, these guys are probably making them in two to three weeks, but, I mean, they keep up that pace of every single week. They're pumping out content, which is crazy when you think about it for an anime show. But let's see, enough about that. Let's talk about some of the good stuff we got here to talk about. First up, Sony did announce this Wednesday they're having a PlayStation showcase, a PS5 showcase specifically. So it's all about the PlayStation 5. It's going to be on September 16th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And there you go. So hopefully, my friends, we are finally, finally, finally going to get what their launch plans are for the PlayStation 5. Please give me pre-orders. I want to throw my money at it. Please. I am ready. I need this thing pre-ordered. Like I said before, on the 22nd is when the Xbox pre-orders go live. It would not surprise me if Sony makes the jump to do it first. Because I think, you know, in the end, launching first always gave you a big advantage. I mean, that we, we've seen from a couple the last couple uh, console uh, launches. But I think even having your pre-orders first will be a big deal. So if Sony was smart, this, they'll either go live that day. So I would say while that event is happening, have your retailer pages refreshing just in case it goes to the retailers. And check your inboxes, obviously, because Sony said they're going to be sending out emails or at least, you know, if they don't do it that day, I'm sure they're going to give us a date and time because at least Microsoft did that. But could you imagine even the Microsoft pre-orders? Those web pages are going to crash. They're going to crash. Like it's going to be a mess when people are trying to pre-order those things. But hey, that's the way. I guess that's the best way to do it, right? I'd rather them do it that way. At least give us the time and date when they're going to do that rather than just immediately just dump it uh, out there. But hey, get ready. Wednesday may be the day, my friends, if you're looking to get yourself a PlayStation 5. Um, let's shift gears away from video games because believe it or not, there isn't a ton more on the video game side of things. And we did have the second piece of the DC fandom happen uh, this past weekend. And you know, it didn't seem like it really got as much, I don't know, buzz. Like there, there really wasn't anything amazing coming out of that. I think they really front loaded a lot of that in the first event, but we did get a couple neat little things. Uh, we did get news that uh, there is going to be a new Superman and Lois television show. So that's right. Superman coming back to the, I don't know what you would call it, the DC TV side of things. Um, and uh, the story is uh, going to follow Superman and Lois. Basically, it's, it's a family drama. And here's what, uh, this is uh, Todd Helbing. He's the executive producer of the show. Here's what he had to say about it. He said, it's a story that is really as grounded as it can possibly be to have Superman in it. It's going to focus on the lives of a married Clark Kent and Lois Lane, as well as their two 
two teenage sons. Now, I guess they were written into the show following the events of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event, kind of that mega event that DC had that unfortunately I didn't get a chance to see, but I everybody that watched it I know said it was uh, just awesome, uh, kind of the way they pulled all that together. I guess the family's going to move to Smallville after a tragic event, and uh, there they'll find it easier just to raise their kids. So it's completely a family drama. So it's more than just a show about this new unusual nuclear family. And uh, I guess we're going to get you know some different action scenes and things like that. Uh, they did show off kind of the new suit. So, you know, some people are kind of jumping all over that. Does the suit look good? Does it look bad? You know, he looks like a, a Superman to me. Like there's nothing, you know, uh, crazy or special about it. But hey, I think, you know, when I think back to Lois and Clark on TV years ago when I was a kid, that was a show that I know my wife watched. And part of that was just because of the love between those two and kind of Lois's part. In that my wife was never really a big superhero fan or into comic books or anything like that, but it was kind of that idea of having a drama of this couple on TV kind of that then are in this extraordinary situation. And I think that's what's going to be interesting in this is it's almost going to be, I don't want to say a monster of the week type show, but it may potentially be that, um, you know, you're going to have these like, I think they're calling them like supervillain action set pieces kind of set within this uh, family drama. I think that's a really neat way to, to kind of pull that story together, even though that story has been told a lot in the comic books. Um, I've, I've talked before when I tried to make my jump into DC, the, the Superman books I was reading at that time, that's kind of what it was. It really was more of just them kind of raising Superboy at that point. Uh, this was the, the Brian Michael Bendis run uh, early on is a lot about that, a lot about them kind of raising their son and the the family life. And then it gets, of course, into the craziness. And I'm sure this could potentially do that. Um, but uh, hey, I think it's cool, man. I, I think getting a new DC uh, Superman show is a great way to do it. Uh, let's see. They also confirmed that Doom Patrol has been uh, picked up for a third season that is coming to HBO Max. Uh, so Doom Patrol fans, there you go. There's another way to get uh, <laughs> into more Doom Patrol. I know a lot of people really enjoyed that show. It's one show I definitely got to go back and watch. I love Titans that was on the DC Universe app. Um, and I heard good things about that as well. So I definitely want to go watch uh, Doom Patrol. Let's see. Pennyworth Season 2 is going to introduce Lucius Fox and uh, a Martha Wayne pregnancy. That's one of the uh, big things gonna, that it will be in that second season. Um, so I haven't uh, haven't watched any of that at all, but I know uh, again, you know, kind of just the Gotham. I see that's the thing I love. I think I've said that before. Like that's one of the cool things about Batman. It's not really Batman that's as interesting. It's all the things and people around him that really pull that series. And Batman's just kind of the centerpiece of it all. Um, I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, let's see. There is going to be a season four of Young Justice. Um, so they had some news on that. A lot of this just seemed to be just really you know, kind of the, the television show. So I guess if you're really big into the television shows around DC, all, all you know, that whole DC universe, um, I think you really would have got a lot out of this. But, um, you know, maybe it's just me just being the video game guy and into the movies. That, <laughs> that's really what I was looking for from this. Um, but uh, like I said, it didn't seem to get as much buzz, I think, as, as the previous um, ones did. But uh, that's pretty much it. I think in the big deals, obviously, if you're a big DC fan, this is where you need to go. You know, go look at all the DC fandom stuff. I think you can actually go to the website and find all the information over there if, if that's the stuff that interests you. But uh, yeah, so so there you go. DC fandom. Again, I think it's great that they are doing these things. I think even PAX is going to do something similar. These online events, I, I'd be interested 
when we're through all this pandemic, how much actually things like this carry forward? If anything, you know, I'm sure all these companies are still going to want to have their events and have people there because, hey, it's a lot of fun to have your fans there and be a part of all of that. But I would be interested to see like what is the online presence after that? Like, do we continue with still having um, these bigger, larger events? I mean, Blizzard does a thing where you can subscribe to, um, you know, their events every year and kind of get see things online. I mean, you think about even some esports, it'll do that. Uh, thinking of the Invitational with Dota, they do that where they, you know, you can obviously go to the event, but you can also watch different things online. I don't know, man. It would really, I, I think, just do them a service to do that, you know? And, and then, but then if they do that, you wonder companies like how companies were skipping out on E3, like, would it just be cheaper for companies to do that? I don't know. I think we're going to have some lasting event, uh, lasting effects from all of this moving forward. Uh, all right, guys, before we move on here, let's take a minute here and thank our sponsor. That's right, GamerGoo. If you heard it at the top of the show, GamerGoo is back. They're helping to support the show. Big thanks to them for continuing to support the show. If you're not familiar with GamerGoo, remember, this is that antiperspirant for your hands where you can stop your sweaty hands at the source. That's right. You put this on your hands when you're getting ready for a game session. Uh, it can last up to four hours on your hands. So if you're tired of those just sticky, gooey controllers, like I've talked about it before with my son, man, when I'm passing the controller off with him, his hands sweat like crazy. So I hate getting that controller from him and just feeling <laughs> the sweatness on that controller. You can put this on your hands and stop that right at the source, right at the hands. So you're not going to have to deal with that. And on top of that, it'll even improve your gaming sessions because your hands aren't slipping all over the controller. And hey, we don't know these new next-gen controllers. We don't know how good they will be. So protect yourself now. Get yourself some GamerGoo. Now, GamerGoo actually has a subscription service now where you can get four of the GamerGoo packs. So this will last you up to over 20 different gaming sessions. They can send it directly to your house every single month. And you don't even have to worry about it. You just basically go in, tell them what scents you want. There's the peppermint, the cinnamon, the orange, the cherry blossom, the vanilla sugar, the sport, and my favorite, the teak wood. They can send them to you directly. Never have to worry about it. Send it directly to your house. And if you do do that at checkout, be sure to use my code TEL as The Enthusiast Life. You'll be able to find that in the show notes. Again, that's TEL at GamerGoo.com. So head on over there. Check it out. GamerGoo.com. Get yourself all set up and make sure that you can stop those sweaty hands at their source and improve your gaming with GamerGoo. All right. Let's move on here and talk about a couple shows that I've been watching. We've been watching um, this great documentary on HBO. I believe it might just be on HBO Max, uh, but it is on uh, HBO called The Vow. Now, this is a documentary series. Uh, I think it's going to be four episodes when it's all said and done about the self-improvement group slash, I'm going to say cult, Nexium. But it's spelled a little bit different. It's N-X-I-V-M. Now, the big pull for me and Chris and my wife and everybody that I know pretty much about the show is that this group was based in Albany, New York, which, of course, is where I'm from originally, is where I grew up, went to college, all of that. And it follows this group. And, and essentially what happened was this man came out, said, basically pitched all these people how brilliant he is, how smart he is, and he came up with this self-motivational, self-improvement um, uh, course essentially that you could buy into. So you had to spend money to buy into it. But then once you kind of got into it, you, you were just brought into this group of people who were all about self-improvement and all about bettering the world and kind of sounds a little bit like Scientology. But when you watch, especially the first episode, 
you could almost see how people could have been pulled into this because, I mean, my wife and I are watching it and I'm like, man, what he's saying actually makes somewhat sense. I mean, pretty much all it's about is like positive thinking. If you have positive thinking, good things are going to happen because really by doing that, you're, you know, always thinking good things can happen. You're putting yourself in good situations. It's about like minimizing your fears, all these different things. And, you know, so you could see how these people got roped in. But then what happened was it got so big and it kind of built into all these other little departments. And one of the little departments under this group turned into essentially a um, a sex trafficking company. So that's where kind of the downfall of Nexium goes. And it's been intriguing because the other interesting bit is this isn't like it's, you know, a lot of things when you watch things on cults, it's like old you know, when you go back years ago and you watch like the David Koresh things and all of that, you see old footage and it's more like news footage because by the time people picked up on what this group was, it's not like they were recording it like, oh, look how great this group is. It was because of the the terrible things. And this documentary, they they basically follow from like 2010, 20, 2009, kind of like in the early days of this. There's tons of footage like within the group. So you're you're seeing it from the viewpoint of people that were there. And it's it's just fascinating, fascinating to watch. Like I, I urge a lot of you that have HBO to go watch this. I mean, it is mature because of the content that's there, but it's just amazing to think. And the the funny thing for us is it took place in Albany and like in Clifton Park and Saratoga, all these little areas right there kind of around Albany that are just these small little cities, little towns, whatever you want to call them. And then when they show the international reach, it's like, okay, well, they had a group in Albany. They had a group in Saratoga. And then they had a group in London, in Los Angeles, in Seattle. So it's like all these little tiny places. And then suddenly, you know, it becomes worldwide in these massive cities all over the world. And it's just, it's fascinating. It, it's something that like, I don't know, whenever it comes to like documentaries and that, like my wife and I, we like, we we watch like these, about these cults. It's, it's something about them that it's just, we always talk about just how fascinating it is. And I hate to keep using that word, but it's like how people can get roped into um, some of these groups. It's just it's intriguing like it's it's crazy especially when these groups are doing terrible things like how how much control can one person put in someone's mind and, and control them to do these things and hey this this series is following that and and you know what is a, a very interesting um con- uh, I, I don't want to say concept but um situation it's really really an interesting show so check it out it's called the vow it's over on hbo uh, it's something that we've been uh, definitely digging through here. I think they have one more episode that's come out. Actually, it might even came out last night. I think on Sunday is when those episodes are coming out. Uh, another show we've been watching, and this was spurred by Chris and I doing our latest Tardy Tardis podcast, is a old show back from uh, 1993. The show is on. Uh, it aired. Actually, it says it uh, was run from 91 to 92. And uh, it debuted, actually, I'm sorry, September 15th, 91. It was on NBC. And you may remember this show um, if you were kind of a, a kid of the 90s. And it was called Eerie, Indiana. It was kind of this like horror, sci-fi, supernatural show. And it, it features the kid from uh, Hocus Pocus. And I don't know, Chris and I, somehow we were talking about it. And he was like, remember that show in the, in the 90s? And then it just popped up and we were talking about it. And how it is almost like Doctor Who where it's like every episode, there's something new happening in this weird, creepy town. So the premise is this kid moves to a town with his family and everything around the town is just weird. Like Elvis lives in the town. 
Uh, the the uh, intro shows people like mowing their lawns all weird. The first two episodes, one was about this weird woman trying to sell the mom his mom Tupperware, but it ends up like they also sleep in the Tupperware. So she has these twins, and the twins are actually from the '60s, but they look exactly the same. And you know, his it, the episode is him trying to figure out like why these kids look this young, and then when he finds out they're sleeping in the Tupperware, that leads to all you know mayhem. The next episode is about this one kid gets a big big retainer on his head, but then can suddenly talk to dogs. And then you find out the dogs are ready to take over the town. I mean, it's silly things like that. I mean, it really is almost like a kid's show because uh, we're watching it with our kids. It's almost like Goosebumps, you know, it was on Nickelodeon. Uh, but we're having a good time watching it. I mean, we were kind of saying like, hey, we're going into the fall. We're going to watch something just kind of creepy and, and, you know, good enough for the kids to watch. Um, it is uh, on Amazon Prime, the whole se- the whole series. It's only 19 episodes, so it's not long. Each one is 22, 23 minutes. It was a 30-minute um, show. Uh, but uh, very fun. If you're looking for kind of a blast from the past and either you remember it or even if you don't, I, I know like we probably, it's been probably three or four years ago, we watched all the Goosebumps that were on Netflix with our kids. Like they just couldn't get enough of them. And so if you've watched those on Netflix and you're looking for more of that, Erie, Indiana is definitely something to watch. Again, it's over on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, go check that out for sure. Finally today, one little bit of news, kind of speaking of the streaming service and some television, uh, the documentary Console Wars, which I believe is based off of the the same book, a book of the same title, is coming to CBS All Access on September 23rd, and it's basically going to be all about kind of the, the battle between Sega and Nintendo in the 90s in their fights for, you know, console dominance, if you want to say, between those, you know, very cool, it's a feature-length documentary, I think that's awesome, uh, I do wish... Uh, it wasn't coming to CBS All Access because I would like to watch it. I mean, it's, I guess it's one of those things I can just get a free trial for, check it out, and then just be done with it. Uh, but I definitely want to see this. It's supposed to be pretty good. There is actually a series on Netflix that I don't think we talked about here on the show called High Score. came out about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and it's a, it's a documentary series about just different topics in the video game world. Uh, I think each episode is probably 30, 40 minutes. So if you haven't seen that, that's definitely something uh, to watch out. I watched the one on... Um, I believe it was Fighting Games, I think is the one that I watched. Um, there, there's a, just a couple different topics, only a couple episodes on there. kind of reminds me of, you know, how um, movies have made us. It's that type of documentary um, on there. But it's kind of cool we're getting all these documentaries about video games. I mean, I guess we, we're at that point now, right, where games have been kind of in the public eye long enough that we can start getting documentaries like this about about those because people that were there and lived it at the time now want to go back and, like, remember all of that. Um, so it's not going to surprise me if we see more things like this happening, just kind of moving forward, but all right, guys, well, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you here so much for making me a part of your day. As always, big thank you to GamerGoo for supporting the show. That's right there, back on board. Thank you so much to those guys over there. And if you're interested in GamerGoo, go to GamerGoo.com. You can check it out over there. Be sure to use my code TEL, that's T-E-L as as in The Enthusiast Life. You can find that down in the show notes. And, uh, of course, if you want to become a patron, you can find all that information down in the podcast to help support the show. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at MarkTurk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. And you can email the show at theenthuselife at gmail.com. So with that, everybody, thank you again as always. And until tomorrow, we'll catch you next time.